For decades, his works of horror, suspense, science fiction, and fantasy have terrified and delighted audiences around the world. The exceptional Stephen King. Mr. Stephen King. Stephen King. Stephen King. Mr. Stephen King. We begin with Stephen King. Stephen King. The first emotion in both humor and horror is this sort of childish delight. Hi, Georgie. I remember one thing. Fiction is a lie, but good fiction is the truth inside the lie. You may best know my guest, Sadie Hartman, by her online alias, Mother Horror. She is the co-owner of the horror fiction subscription company, Nightworms, and the editor-in-chief of her own horror fiction imprint, Dark Heart. Additionally, she reviews horror books, so she reads a lot of horror. If you think you read a lot of horror, trust me, she reads horror. So, there's no greater authority to write a book like her just recently published 101 horror books to read before you're murdered. In it, Sadie has curated, quote, the best selection of modern horror books, including plenty of deep cuts. Indulge your heart's darkest desires to be terrified, unsettled, disgusted, and heartbroken. With stories that span everything from paranormal hauntings, and creepy death cults, to small town terrors, and apocalyptic disasters. Well, sign me up. Here's Sadie, Mother Horror Hartman. As an avid horror reader, I've Googled lists on the internet before, and I've come away with plenty of things to read. It's not like there's a shortage of really good lists out there on multiple platforms. And there's so many times we can see the same list of old books. And I didn't want to start compiling a list knowing that like half of it was going to have to include the old standbys and how do you choose one Stephen King book like that's impossible that's impossible I didn't even want to think about it and I didn't want to think about having to rewrite why somebody should read Dracula or why somebody should read Shirley Jackson so I just wanted to put together a list of what I've been reading in the last 20 plus years and getting people caught up to this current moment. If you just look at 2023, there is 50, 60 books coming out every month. How in the hell are you going to navigate this genre right now? You know, so that's kind of what this is. There were books in here that aren't out currently. And at the time, I remember seeing Boys in the Valley in here. And I, yeah. oh, I remember when Sadie was tweeting about that and I thought it was limited. And then so I looked it up and oh, it got like an expanded run, I think, thanks to you and thanks to Stephen King retweeting your tweet. That was really cool. So I did ask him, I'm writing this book. Like, is there going to be any way that people can actually get a hold of this copy? Like, because, you know, publishers shut down, especially like in the independent scene, things go out of print. I didn't want to frustrate anyone by putting a book in here that is unavailable. I've done that before where I'm like, I just read the best book in my entire life. And then people are like, it's like $400 on eBay. Like, how, why, why is it unavailable? Yes, I'm sorry, it's unavailable. So I wanted to make sure that everything on the list you could purchase or get at the library. And Boys in the Valley did have this very significant event happen where I tweeted about it. Stephen King said he wanted to read it. They hustled and got the book to him. And then that unlocked a book deal for him. And then the book is now here. I'm lucky enough to talk to a lot of authors specifically about Stephen King and his role in their life. And they all talk about 
how much power he has and how much he uses his power for good. Yeah. Because one nice tweet from Stephen King will get you a book deal. It's really cool that he does that and that he is still so influential just in that regard. I mean, his fingerprints are all over the genre in terms of influencing people in a certain way and influencing readers too. I mean, I think I'm driven to certain kinds of horror because of my background with Stephen King. So he's really set the tone in so many ways. And then for him to kind of reach down and lift other people up in that way, everybody's watching his recommendations. And then on a personal level to then be able to like recommend books to Stephen King feels a little surreal. What's so neat about this celebration of horror in book form basically is you have essays from other horror writers and they give book recommendations and they definitely sneak some King in there. So much so that you dedicate the book to your mom and Stephen King. He really is the person who made horror so accessible for so many people. Something that we probably didn't think that it could be. When I was younger and people were watching horror movies, that was something I couldn't do. Like I didn't want to watch a horror movie and go to bed and be scared at night and not be able to sleep and have these like horrible nightmares. But then I would read plenty of Stephen King books and it was kind of like inside my head, I could control it. And it was almost like, he would come in with this voice. Like you talk about like a constant reader, like he's the constant storyteller. He's the voice in your head when you're going to bed at 13, 14, 15 years old, reading so much of his work, right? And so underneath the whole genre of horror is someone who has built a really solid foundation for that to ride on. When I was reading your book, it reminded me of his book, Dance Macabre, because it wasn't just the fact that it was, you know, opening the gateway to so many different types of horror and so many things that maybe you haven't heard of, but the actual welcoming tone of it. Your arms are wide open and you're very welcoming and you're very, hey, look, if you've read a million horror books, there's probably something in here for you. Or if you haven't at all, there's definitely something in here for you. And and it wasn't this know-it-all attitude or exclusionary or anything like that. It was just very warm and inviting. And especially for a book about horror books, I found that to be very comforting. That was really a goal of mine too, is to make sure that people felt like they were allowed to be in the room. Because I've been on plenty of online spaces, like Reddit fans are so knowledgeable. Like if you ever want to know anything about anything, you know, if you go into the horror Reddit threads and ask just like, does anybody have a recommendation for this like very specific niche thing? 20 people are going to pop in there and give you plenty of recommendations. They're so knowledgeable. But in the same token, it's almost intimidating for a brand new person to walk in there with kind of this where do I even begin type of attitude? I feel like that's an intimidating space for a lot of people or to even just be in like a party situation and you haven't read any Stephen King and, and you don't know who all these people are that people are talking about. You would be sort of hesitant to want to get into something that you feel already way behind on. So I wanted this to be sort of casual, like you're taking me to the coffee shop or to the bookstore and we're just going to talk about the books that I've read and I'm just going to kind of guide you to some of the ones that I thought were really fun and and that you would probably enjoy. With a lot of people, they want to fake that they know maybe a lot of things that they aren't familiar with. Yeah. Whereas you're just, I didn't know about that. I, I want to know more. And it's this very childlike wonder and very open and inviting. Just feels like a big warm hug. And like I said, for a horror book, that makes it even more enticing. 
Yeah. And I wish that we could be like that in all of our spaces when we're talking about books. The books don't have a shelf life. It's not like you had to have read it in your first like 15 years of reading horror or something because there's new fans being born all the time. Like no one's going to just pop out of the womb and already have read Exorcist if they're going to be a horror fan. They have to read it for the first time at some point, you know, so we're all just in different levels of arriving on the scene. And so I think we need to just embrace the fact that we're all in different places. We're all really subjective with our tastes because we have different worldviews. You know, I don't really like zombie horror, so I don't, I haven't read a lot of it. That doesn't disqualify me from telling other people, hey, Colson Whitehead has this great zombie novel you might want to read. Just because I haven't read like 10 of these ones doesn't mean I can't recommend this one. We're in the golden age right now. There's an embarrassment of riches. How do you start trying to pare it down and categorize it into digestible chunks? I kind of went through the list of everything that I've read. I keep a really good Goodreads. I don't know how other people track what they've read. If I don't track it, I won't remember that I've read it. <laughs> I went through my list and just kind of started calling it like, okay, so, you know, here's all of the books I really, really loved. Now let's start weeding through it. Now let's look at maybe some other books that I maybe have missed especially in the early 2000s, there were huge gaps in my knowledge in 2000, especially what was coming out in indie. I didn't really start reading like indie fiction until like 2017. So I just wanted to make sure that like I wasn't missing anything and I still totally missed things. People are probably going to look through the book and be like, I'm really shocked that this author didn't get represented or that this book wasn't in here. And it's like, I'm never going to read all the books of my own house, let alone everything that comes out, you know? Plus you need room for a sequel, 101 more books. Exactly. Yeah. That's the point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You divide the book into, you've got paranormal, supernatural, human monsters, natural order horror, and short story collections. And then you have subgenres of that. Yeah, and that's kind of how the icons were born too. There's kind of like this whole system of icons with like other sort of subgenres. So that books that have kind of multiple things going on don't just have to be shelved under Haunted House, like if they're also psychological or if they're also kind of like a locked room element. So I needed more ways to sort of make it known to the reader. You know, this might be a slasher, but it also has mind bender or murder mystery or something. So, I mean, there's so many different elements to every story. So it was tough to sort of pigeonhole everything into the big and then the smaller categories. And then obviously like the short story collections needed their own chapter for like a hot minute there. We tried to categorize them and some of them really fit well into some categories, but some of them are so eclectic with stories from like multiple subgenres that there's just no way. So I ultimately was just like, I think we just need to have a section for the short story. A lot of books like this are not that curated and yours, you've put a lot of thought into it. And I'm sure some people would disagree with the way you've categorized things. But oh, for sure. Yeah. There's definitely thought that's been put into it and you have your reasons for doing what you've done. I am a list maker anyway. Like basically all I ever do on Instagram for making reels or posts or whatever is I just make a bunch of lists. Here's 
a bunch of possession horror. Here's some haunted house. Here's cosmic, you know, and I just like throw recommendations out there all the time for stuff that I've enjoyed. And people will, without a doubt, comment and tell me I forgot something or that wasn't really this, you know, when I was talking about Boys in the Valley and I, I compared it to Lord of the Flies, somebody was like, oh, since when is Lord of the Flies horror? And I was like, hmm, interesting. <laughs> like, I don't know. I think having a bunch of kids like abandoned on an island and stranded without any hope of like ever coming back and killing each other seems pretty horrific. But, you know, you do you. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so. I, I guess it does lead to the bigger question of were there any books that you were on the fence about where you thought, well, I don't even know if I can categorize that as horror. Because I'm sure that that's the big question and it's the eternal question is what is horror? A really smart friend of mine, she told me one time that horror is where you find it, which just makes a lot of sense. And so much of our classic literature that we read is horrific, even though it's not categorized as horror, but it still has horror elements. It kind of reminds me of other genres as well, like romance, you know, is like this emotion of like love and you know, you have books that deal a lot with like grief, like there's all these like emotional elements of being afraid is obviously an emotion. So yeah, it is really subjective. And there are a few books on there where I felt like I had to kind of make an argument for why it was in there. The one I'm thinking of is Sarah Langan's Good Neighbors. It's not necessarily like categorized as horror. I don't know. It lives on the fiction shelf. If you go to Barnes and Noble, it's just in general fiction. But it's an escalation horror novel. It's the beginnings of something and you can see it going from, wow, these people are making really bad decisions to, oh my God, I can't believe that this is happening. And you're just kind of dumbstruck with the horror of what's going on. So she was a horror writer. Like she, Sarah Lane has lots of horror in her background. And so I feel like she infused those elements into a thriller or like family drama or whatever. So I don't know. People can argue with me. I don't care. <laughs> and with a book like this too, I mean, when you're making the parameter of 101, there is just naturally things that you're going to have to leave off, full authors that you'll have to leave off. It's just part of the unfortunate side of categorizing and page length, honestly. Yeah, there was certain authors where I was like, I just, I don't have time to go into the back catalog and find the one that speaks to me the most. Like they have eight novels. <laughs> like, how am I going to do this in this short amount of time? I'm, I'm sorry I haven't read any of your books, but I will. Obviously I will. It's not personal. Like it's not a definitive list. I do really make that known. Like this wasn't me setting out to make a definitive list of horror. Like these are what defines the genre. And if you don't read these, this is the canon, you know, no, it's not. It's more of just like, Hey, I'm a fan. These are my opinions. If I were to take a bunch of buddies with me to the bookstore, here's where I would tell you like, you, you would like that. Or what's your favorite trope? Oh, haunted house. Oh, here's like 10 that you would enjoy. You know, it's that kind of vibe. When you've got this many books, you're just naturally going to be, I guess, a victim of just practical circumstances. And so a lot of it is just kind of a very practical real world thing of, oh, this is what I happened to read at a certain time that I responded to. And that's the fun thing about how books just sort of bond us together too. Like if you see someone on a bus reading a specific book that you just read that you love, it's almost like the book is recommending that person to you. Like 
hey, you know, this is a cool person that you might want to talk to. It's the same way. So it goes back and forth. We speak to each other with our recommendations. You know, we're, we're vibing on this personal level. So it's super individualistic, you know, writing a book like this. I don't specifically know who the people are who are going to be reading this, whether you're a seasoned horror fan or you're a new horror fan or you've read some, but not these. I mean, someone's going to open this book and be like, oh, I've read over half of these books. And someone's going to be like, I didn't read any of these. And so for me to talk to everyone, there's going to be overlap and there's going to be a challenge there because I'm not talking to just one person. Like if you and I were talking, I would like kind of be able to dig in and find out like, where have you been in horror? And then we could have more of a tailored conversation. I wanted it to be like broad in a sense, but also niche because we're just talking about one genre. It is kind of the book version of being a visitor at someone's house. I don't know about you, but I always look at their bookshelves, yeah. shelves and see like, totally. what do you have on here that we can connect on or something that's different? And it is like the book form of that. And I went to my brother-in-law's house one time we were having Christmas and I was like scoping out their shelves and I saw Bird Box by Josh Mallerman, which I haven't read. And he just was like, his eyes kind of lit up when I talked about it. And he goes, oh man, it's so good. I can't believe you haven't read it. Like you have to. So obviously I did and I fell in love with it. And now I'm a huge Josh Mallerman fan, but that's how it happened. I know my brother-in-law, I kind of trust his perception. And that's what this is, is sort of saying like, here's why you can trust me as like a horror fan. I'm not what you would say like an authority i'm not saying these are the books you have to read and if you don't like them now we have beef it's not like that it's going to be more like these are just recommendations and if you come away with like three or four great i'm stoked but if you have read a lot of these i think it's fun to read people's opinions of books well what you're doing is you're celebrating the things you love you're saying hey look if you like the thing i didn't really like great but i'm not going to go on my public platform and just start trashing it. Like, it's just not for me. And if you're not responding to it, we only have one life to live before we're, you know, maybe murdered. So we might as well read things we like and respond to. I feel like honest reviews are so valuable. I think people talking about books is so valuable. Word of mouth is really great. And I think that we're all wise enough that when we hear somebody say, I really hated this book and here are all the reasons, I think we're savvy enough to go, well, that sounds like something I actually might enjoy. So I might check that out for myself. And so many of us who are in like our 40s grew up on reading Rainbow and LeVar Burton would always close the show with, but you don't have to take my word for it. You know, like go read it for yourself. So I think it's drilled into us to be like, okay, that wasn't for that person, but I'm going to try it. Sometimes I will kind of do an honest opinion on something I didn't enjoy if I read it fully. And if I didn't finish it, there's very few books where I didn't finish it and I'll have something to say about it. Because I think you get after like, if you've invested like 50 or 80 pages, that's still an hour or so of your time. And you can talk about that if you want to, you can do whatever you want, you know, in your space. Apart from like, obviously, like bashing the author, I never like approve of that. It's more a celebration of the things that I'm enjoying. And the more that I spend in horror, the more I know kind of what I'm going to like. So yeah, I do pick really good books for myself. <laughs> I kind of know at this point if I am going to like it just based on 
on the back of the book and who's writing it. And I don't know, I luck out a lot. Do you only read horror or do you read other genres as well? It's probably like 90% horror. And then I go off into like true crime, really dark thrillers, and, you know, occasionally like something just dark. If I know that something dark happens, I'm up for that. But it's 90% horror. So no Nicholas Sparks for you. I'm, I'm... No. <laughs> Although I love a good romance. I mean, I love romance in my horror. There are some horror writers who are sneaking it in and I'm all about it. I think horror has a little bit of everything to appeal to anyone. Like you like sci-fi, you like romance, you like fantasy there's a horror book to go with it. Somebody's doing that and meshing the two together. So I'm pretty comfortable here. You can't pick a favorite Stephen King, but up there at the top of your list is Eyes of the Dragon. Isn't that right? Oh, yeah. Not a very common answer. No, I've read that one the most times. Like if people ask me, it's like that one and it I've read the most times. The Eyes of the Dragon, I think is just like appeals to the fantasy junkie. I spend a lot of time in fantasy, years and years, just reading those kinds of like Chronicles of Narnia and The Hobbit, and then on to like other big fantasy series. And that book just has like a lot of those elements of like fantasy and horror and family drama and dragons, like <laughs> what more do you want? What would you say was one of the biggest discoveries of kind of going back and trying to catch up on modern horror? I was not very well versed in independent fiction. I think I, I mentioned that earlier. Like I read a lot of what was on my mom's bookshelves when I first got started. And she had a lot of like Anne Rice and Stephen King and Peter Straub, but there wasn't a huge amount of other labels, like, you know, more independent labels. So when I started finding, especially on Bookstagram, like Anya Allborn, for instance, she blew my mind right off the bat because I was like, oh my God, there's a woman out here cranking out the horror novels and they're all bangers. Like I could spend years in just her back catalog. I felt the same way when I found Jonathan Jantz. I mean, that guy has, I don't even want to like speculate, but I think it's around a dozen or 15 solid horror novels. And so you could just spend a couple years like just going through their back catalog. So there was a lot of homework in terms of I wanted to catch up on independent fiction before 2017. So I had to like crawl through different authors who I know have been on the scene for a long time and I wanted to read like what they were doing. Like Stephen Graham Jones, you know, he's published by a big house now, but he was in the indie scene for a really long time. So if you want to kind of go back into what he was doing, you know, in the early 2000s, like you have homework to do. Some of them have huge back catalogs. Brian Keene, for instance, if you wanted to get started on Brian Keene, I recommended Ghoul in the book, but I mean, he has a whole series of books, of zombie books, of like earthworm god books. You have to go through the whole deal. Obviously, when I first started and I found independent fiction, yeah, I was binge reading one author and buying like their whole back catalog and going for it. But then, you know, as things happen and you just start, your collection starts to build and you have this enormous, massive pile, I was more selective. So now when I read somebody who I haven't read before, like Jonathan Mayberry, for instance, I have not read any Jonathan Mayberry books. Like I need to start somewhere. And the man has a massive back catalog. So you have to be selective and you have to find somebody who is 
like this is what I would do, a Jonathan Mayberry fan. And then I would go see, you know, where do you think I should start? And so a lot of the recommendations in this book is like, hey, this person has a lot of books. I get it. Like, here's where I would start. Just pick this one. And then if you like it, kind of maybe go in that similar vein. That's what you are to a lot of people. That's what this book is, is it provides a jumping off point for, you know, so many people that might be interested in a variety of authors, a variety of horror books about a variety of different things. I do like it when people kind of, I can tell that they're like nervously reaching out and they'll be like, I know that you're probably busy, but is there any way you could give me like a quiet horror? It's always like the quiet horror fans. Like I was reading extreme horror for a really long time where it was just all these like blood and gore and blowout brains type of thing. And I would have people be like, but do you have anything that's a little less dramatic? (laughs) I'd be like, yeah, absolutely. Actually, I do. Um, Here's five books you should read. Are you uh, already thinking about 101 more horror books? The door is open. Obviously, my editor and I were just talking about that the other day. We were like, we really want to work together again. Like her and I feel like we were a really good team. So we're going to kind of get our heads together and see what we've been brainstorming. Like, is it just going to be like another, uh, you know, 101 horror books or will it be, you know, something else? Or I enjoyed writing this book and I enjoy like curating horror in this way. So I don't know. Well, I'm glad you like it because you're really good at it. And like you said, I'm sure there's a million other authors that we haven't even heard of yet or that you haven't come across that by the time maybe another book comes along, there'll just be many more to spread the word about. So if you start following horror authors, then you're going to just get all these recommendations for other books and you're, yeah, you're going to die underneath a mountain of books. That's just how how we're going to die. You're either going to do that or get murdered. Yeah, exactly. So you got to get started because this is right around the corner. Well, Sadie, thank you so much for talking with me again. This was so much fun. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Many thanks to Sadie Hartman for taking the time to chat with me. You can find The Stephen Kingdom, both the podcast and the YouTube series on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you want to help us keep both the podcast and the YouTube series going, consider supporting our Patreon where you can get all sorts of exclusive content. The Stephen Kingdom is hosted and written by me, David McCracken, and is produced and mixed by Josh Reedford. Original music by Aaron Reedford. Long days and pleasant nights, constant listeners.